If you would turn in your Bibles at this time, we will be reading from Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 20. And the verses that we will be focusing on are verses 15 through 17, towards the end of our reading together. And so here's the word of God as Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 1 through 20. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today is a new year. How are you feeling this morning? I'm recovering from a cold. I suspect many of you are not feeling 100%, but it is the beginning of a new year, and it is very early in the morning of the new year. After today, we're going to have 364 more days of this year. Let me just look back to, the, to last year. Did you know that we were in the same position as we were one year ago today? However, 
even though we're in that same position. We traveled 584 million miles. That's because we traveled around the sun. Did you feel it? No. Did you know since this time yesterday, you traveled 20,000 miles? About? That's because the Earth spins. And in the course of a year, you're going to spin 7 million miles. So between the two, we went 7 million miles spinning and 584 million miles circling the sun, we traveled 591 miles last year. And you didn't even feel it. You didn't even think about it. But it happened. You're not fatigued from all that travel? I know if I make a little trip, sometimes I'm exhausted after the trip. But this trip didn't do anything for us. Paul was not interested in our cosmic travel. Paul, when he looked up into the heavens, he saw the glory of God. He saw God as extravagant. He saw God in all of his creativity and all of the beauty of the skies. He saw God's handiwork and God's creation. But Paul was interested in your little orbit, in your circle, and what you are doing. And he wasn't interested that we're traveling through space at this incredible time. And what is our orbit? Our orbit is where we live, our houses. It's where we go. We get in our cars or we get on our bicycles or walk around. We go different places. Our little orbit is who we interact with. Who are the people we talk to at work or at school? What do we talk about? What is our conversation like? We just read about some instructions about these things. And today we want to talk about how we use our time and how we can use our time to glorify God. And when we read Ephesians 5, 1 through 20, which we just read, this is really a portion of what Paul was writing the Ephesians, which we might call instructions for Christian living. Paul is giving some very specific details. And he starts out in chapter 4 by saying, you're really a new self. You're a new person. You're not like the Gentile you used to be. You are a new person. You don't walk. You don't do the things that you used to do. And then he went, goes on and he says, your life is very different than your old life. And he continues in our passage, and he says, you know what? You can distinguish between believers and unbelievers because believers have light. In fact, they are light. And there's a difference between light and darkness. And then finally, in the section that we're going to look at, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, 
Paul exhorts believers to live wisely and to be spirit-filled. And then, if we drill down a little bit more and we reflect upon what we did last year and we think about the dawn of 2023 and we anticipate how we're going to use our time this year, Paul says, use your time wisely. And we just read here, making the best use of time because the days are evil. And so this leads us to ask Paul some questions. We say, Paul, what do you mean by making the best use of time? We might say, what, why should we make the best use of our time? What's in this for me or for you or whoever? How do we make the best use of our time? Where should we be to make good use of time? Why is it so important to make good use of our time? And then finally, we might ask Paul, what are the results if I make good use of my time? Now, we don't have time this morning to answer all of those questions, but we'll answer some of them for you. Because making the best use of time, Paul is using a metaphor. He's using a picture for us. And he took this metaphor from the business world as far as we can understand the Greek language. And he said, this is a, a, a thought about merchants and traders. And merchants and traders, as you can imagine, we're very familiar with this, they buy things, they carry them to their store, and they sell them. This has been happening since the beginning of time. And when you sell those things, you need to make a little bit of money. There's a profit there for you. And Paul says, think about time. Your time. Is there a way that you can buy things with your time? that you are going to gain a profit because of what you have done with your time. It's an opportunity for you. And so we think about using our time as an opportunity. Perhaps it's a way that we can redeem our time for doing good or preventing evil or keeping ourselves from evil, or our families from falling into evil times. And so, when we say make the most of opportunity, it is to be wise. And then Paul says, why? Because we live in an evil time. It's very clear that Paul is teaching that time usage is part of living wisely. We just see it in the middle of this living a Christian life section. But this metaphor is included in a larger metaphor. If you may have noticed that in Ephesians, in, he, note, he uses this word walk. So in Ephesians 4 verse 17, he says, don't walk like the Gentiles. And then he says in Ephesians 5 to walk in love as Christ walked in love. And then in Ephesians 5, verse 8, walk as children 
of light. And then he says in Ephesians 5 verse 15, look carefully how you walk. And then almost immediately after that, he says, make the best use of time. You say, walking? What is he talking about? Well, in the Greek language, when you're talking about how somebody walks, you're really talking about how they live. And so we're saying, don't live like the Gentiles. Live in love. Live as children of light. Look carefully how you live. And so how are we supposed to live? One of the things we're supposed to do is to make good use of our time. And he immediately tells us, look carefully then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. And so, how can we tell if someone is living wisely, making good use of their time? Because a Christian makes good use of time. And it leads us to this question, why should we, as Christians, make best use of our time? And when we think about the business world, Paul is not advocating that we need to take Christian time management classes. You can take a class like that. There's some very well-known Christians who teach time management. That's not what Paul is talking about. Or Paul isn't saying, let's have an efficiency expert follow you around for a couple days and then give you some feedback as to how you could use your time more wisely. Paul didn't have any of these things in mind. But he did have some things in mind. And I just want to point out a couple of them this morning. First of all, Paul was teaching the Ephesians that they were ambassadors. And we read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You no longer walk as a Gentile, as we just read. You are a Christian. You are a believer. And people know that you are a Christian, at least. Do people know that you are a Christian? If you're a Christian, at some point you have to reveal yourself as a Christian. You cannot live your life as a secret Christian. There's no way you can live your life as a secret Christian and not be growing in the faith. I would say your faith is very weak if you're a secret Christian. 
The fact that you're here today means that you have identified yourself as a Christian. And so if people know that you are a Christian, you are going to be judged. That person says that they are a Christian. If they're a Christian, what do they think about you? You are an ambassador for Christ. And so when they look at you, they look at you as a representative of what a Christian is like. And so as you go through your life in your little orbit, your circle, how are you being an ambassador for Christ? Because people are judging Christians by what you are like. People are judging God by what you are like. People are judging your church by what you are like. They're judging Christianity by what you are like. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I didn't know I was getting myself into this. I am not a very good ambassador. I have lots of flaws. I fall into sin all the time. I'm not Mr. Nice Guy. We need to stop right there and pray that God would begin to temper those flaws and that those sins you tend to fall into would become less and less frequent. And that we, in 2023, would look to walk more like Christ. And so... You'll say, well, okay. When you think about being an ambassador, I want to tell you how important it is that Christians are good representatives of Christians. Let's do a thought exercise. Let's say that we went to Walmart and I stood outside the door of Walmart, if they would let me do this, but let's say I stood outside the door of Walmart and took a poll. And as people come in and out, I ask them a couple questions. Um, do you ever read the Bible? Okay. Uh, do you ever go to church? Have you ever heard a sermon? What do you think about God? I don't know what the Walmart survey is going to tell me, but I think that you will find that people don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about what goes on in a church. We had someone here last week who just came to church because someone wanted to go to church, and she took him to church. The last time she was in a church was a Catholic service when she was in college. She was very thankful that we let her in the church. Oh, my goodness. You, 
as a Christian may be the only time that a person knows what a Christian is like. And the point is that we are ambassadors. The way that we live is a testimony, is a representative of the Christian race, so to speak, the, the people who are Christians. In some ways, we're kind of like aliens. I know we think about all these Star Wars movies and so on, and there's aliens, but we, in a way, are aliens. We're different. We're not going to be here forever. And so, as Christians, we want to represent who we are well to the world to people who are unbelievers. Secondly, <clears throat> we are lights. And this idea about being a light, we read before, there was a time when you were in darkness, Paul says, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, he says. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Jesus liked this analogy. In Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, especially if people live there at night, you'll see little lights, right? Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. They put it up so it can shed some light, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are lights, and so not only are we ambassadors, we are lights. People like light. As you get older, you like more light. But they like light so that they can see what's going on. And so we as Christians are lights. We show what's going on. And what is it that we show what's going on? And we read in our passage again that we are to be wise and not unwise. That's a double negative. Um, and we can be wise in earthly matters. We can be as smart as can be about theology. But does that make a difference anywhere? It might. You want to have correct theology. You want to know what it is you believe. But we need to be wise in this world. We want to look for opportunities. We need to be wise. And so we as Christians, we know what we believe about certain issues, especially in our society today. We don't need to follow the tide of public opinion. Because we already know whether everyone else believes it's okay to kill a baby in its womb 
We as Christians know that that is wrong. And so we don't have a problem with telling others that we know what is right. And they'll say, oh, well, that's just your opinion. Well, no, it isn't. I am basing what I am telling you on the word of God. Well, that's your opinion that it's the word of God. That is not my opinion. God gave us the word. It is your opinion that it might not be the word of God, but it is my belief that this is the word of God. I put faith in the word of God. And so the word of God does not allow me to kill babies in the womb. And as you think about it, in our society, there are a number of issues that we have to deal with from time to time that we need to take a stand because we believe in the word of God. And so we take a stand on what it means to be married. We take a stand on how we need to educate our children. We take a stand in honesty, what it means to be an honest person. And there's been a lot of talk about honesty lately, and I would say that there's a lot of dishonesty going on even in public offices. In fact, we're getting to the point where we don't trust anything that anybody says. But as Christians, we believe in honesty. We believe in private property. We believe in Christian principles. And we could go on and on and on. We could probably go for weeks on explaining what the Christian principle of living is on various topics. The Bible gives us principles. We have to work out the details. But there are principles, standards, that we base what we think on. And so when you talk to somebody, you appeal to the written word of God as a source of your values. And your, and your views on how you live your life are not, I think, but we say what God says. Paul says, the days are evil. They're evil back then. I would say that the days have been evil every single year since the time of Paul, probably since the fall with Adam and Eve. Every year has been an evil year. There have been nicer times, I would say, but our, word has, our world has always had an undercurrent of evil. People who did not want to obey the word of God. And sometimes if you read your history books, it seems like this world has been filled with one war, one atrocity after another. And we could go on as to why it is, but we know that evil is in the world. 
And what does Paul say? How do we combat this evilness that's in this world? Paul said, we need to be wise. And so how do we become wise? He's comparing it to being unwise. He says in Ephesians 5 verse 15, don't live as unwise. Live as wise. And perhaps if Paul was speaking to an Ephesian group and one of the Ephesians would put up their hand and say, Paul, you are telling us to live as wise. Can you elaborate on what it means to live as wise? And Paul would have had a broad smile on his face and he would say, very good question. And he may have turned... Turn to Job 28, 28. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And then he would have flipped his Bible to Proverbs. Proverbs 1, verse 17. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. After reading these passages, Paul might have said, if you're a believer, you're already wise because you fear God. And then Paul would have said, because you fear God, you want to become more wise. You want to seek for more instruction. You want to have more understanding. And you as believers want to avoid anything that is evil or wicked. That's a very simple answer, isn't it? But that's what I want to leave you with for this year as we begin 2023. I can tell you this, 2023 is not going to be a good year. The days are evil. We live in an evil time. I can tell you 2023 could be a very good year. You and I can use the best of our time to be an ambassador for Christ. We can use our time to be a brighter light. Put it on a higher stool. Trim the flame as a brighter light. You and I can state what is true. We can tell people what the word of God teaches about so many different things that are happening here in our society. And we need to pray that God will give us wisdom to live. And we can pray that 2023 will be a good year.